Welcome to That's My Personal Business, where we are pulling back the curtain on all things personal, all things business, and all things in between. Every Monday, we're hopping into your headphones to help you skip the learning curve by hearing from industry professionals, including myself. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach who now gets to lead hundreds of creative entrepreneurs in building lives of artistic growth, wealth, and freedom. And now it's time for you to do the same. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. I can't believe we're towards the end of December. Like, truly, how has this happened? I have no idea. This month has flown by, but it's been an amazing month. It's been lovely. I, as I mentioned on last week's episode, I just celebrated my birthday and I had prom and I hosted prom with like all of my closest friends and family. Well, not family, sadly. All of my family lives on the opposite side of the country, um, but all of my chosen family. And it was just so beautiful. It was like everything I hoped it would be. I felt so surrounded by love and joy and it's been a really tough year. Like I I know we say that, I feel like we say that every year, but it's been a tough year and to finish it out surrounded by like so much love and joy and just like community was exactly what I needed. And I, I don't know, I'm feeling, we're going to talk about this a lot more on next week's episode because we're going to be wrapping up the entire year talking about what worked, what didn't all of that good stuff. Um, But it's just been like a tough year where I've had to make really hard decisions. But from that, a lot of beauty has come, especially in terms of the people that I have in my life and the way that I am willing to navigate treatment and love and reciprocity with other human beings. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's been a really huge year for me and the way that I navigate relationships. And I feel like that all really came forth on my birthday. So I just feel really lucky and really grateful and really honored to have such amazing human beings in my life, uh, you guys included. And it just felt really beautiful. So I'm feeling really, really like nostalgic and emo and happy about all of that. And I am leaving next week to go home to visit my family in Utah with which if you're in Utah and you want to say hi or book a shoot, I'm like, I'm actually coming for a little bit longer than expected, which is really exciting. So I think I'm going to take like one session um, while I'm there if anyone wants it, which I'm really excited about. But Anyway, today on the podcast, we're like switching things up a little because I wanted this week's episode to be dedicated completely to like mindset work and manifesting and, you know, prepping your mindset for 2024. And I'm going to have a longer intro than normal, but I wanted this episode to just be dedicated to health in general. So intro is going to be a little bit longer because I'm going to kind of touch on like mental health and, you know, manifesting and mindset. And then I'm so excited because we have the amazing Tanessa Shears, who is is going to be talking to us about our physical health and really getting that together in a really healthy and genuine and reasonable expectations way (laughs) for the new year. And I loved my conversation with her. It was so helpful. And I feel like really helped me navigate the way that I connect with my body and the way that I'm going to be more intentional in mornings and evenings without putting so much pressure on myself to start like 10,000 new resolutions or hobbies or routines for the new year. So I'm really excited that that's kind of the direction that we're going to be going for the today's podcast episode. But for now, I want to talk a little bit about mindset and manifesting and all of that good stuff because I have been working on like two separate 
little like manifesting things that are a little bit newer. So as you guys know, we have the manifestation challenge, which I'm obsessed with. If you haven't done it already, do it, do it again. The results that people get from the manifestation challenge are actually one of the craziest things ever. I, there's few things that bring me more joy than hearing the results that people get when they do the manifestation challenge. So I'll put that link for you guys in the show notes, but I've been trying out like two new ways of manifesting and getting my mindset together because I, I'm experiencing peace <laughs> for the first time in my life. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but usually my life is really chaotic. Like there's always like something chaotic going on. There's always a chaotic person. There's always something. And it has literally been that way my entire life. It's like a running joke with my friends that I'm like the person things happen to. And this has been the first time in a long time where like one bad thing happens a week, which is crazy. Like that is like nothing. And it has been really interesting because I've noticed that my brain like wants to create stress and chaos about things that I'm usually not stressed or chaotic about because there's no stress or chaos. And I'm so used to it. Right. It's like going back to the concept too, that our, our brains just like to be comfortable. That doesn't mean that it's going to be good or bad. It just means that our brains want to stick with like what they're used to. And for me, that's like chaos and stress. And so now that I'm entering this season of life where I've like cut out, you know, people or situations or things that have caused me a lot of stress, I've noticed that my brain is like literally like making things up to be stressed about almost like I'm stressed about things that I have no reason to be stressed about. And so I've been doing a lot of intentional mindset work over the last couple of weeks to be like, okay, how can I stay present? How can I stay grateful? How can I stay grounded? How can I prep my brain for an even more beautiful chapter or even more beautiful whatever um, as we move forward? And so I've been doing two separate things. I don't want to take up too much time before we get to Tanessa because Tanessa's episode is amazing. I've been doing two separate things. One, I'm in a mentorship program um, under She Runs It. For anyone that's in like a big city, um, a female entrepreneur, look into She Runs It. It's an amazing networking um, business, like women in business group. And there's one in New York City. There's one on the East Coast. There's one in um, San Francisco. I think there might be one in LA. I'm not positive, but go to She Runs It. Look into it. Uh, But they have a free mentorship program, which is amazing. They're so dedicated to helping women in business, which is incredible. And so I'm in my mentorship program right now. And we did a activity of scripting, which if you don't know what scripting is, it's essentially like writing out in present tense your future. So writing as if the future that you wanted has already happened and you're recounting it, you're journaling it, whatever it may be. You're writing a letter for a friend and letting them know all of the amazing things that have happened to you. And so I got to sit down and script out for both my business and my personal life. And I'm actually going to read some of it to you guys because I think it's important to kind of understand the juxtaposition of the way that it goes. That was a really messy sentence, but it's fine. But I'm going to challenge you to do this for 2024, to script out 2024. And I'm going to personally be making this into a like graphic of some kind that I can set as my background. So I look at it every day. So I said professionally, it's been an amazing year of growth throughout each section of my business. I've booked out 2024 and 2025 for myself and my team under Eden Strader Weddings. I have three weddings booked each year with clients who prioritize presence and celebration above all else. And I I'm able to employ Emily full-time as she shoots weddings on the West Coast. We're working towards bringing on a third team member as we book out more work on the East Coast. Our couples are spending anywhere from 8 to 15K on their wedding 
days and love having our team take a fly on the wall approach to their celebrations. Amara has begun booking editorial and social management clients. We have clients locally in NYC that we have great relationships with and consistently help capture and scale their businesses. We're actively working with restaurants to capture their processes and final dishes, as well as actively shooting bridal lines and campaigns during bridal fashion week. We are the go-to bridal campaigns company within the city. Eden Trader has scaled to only taking three one-on-one clients a year. So yes, we are only going to be taking three becoming one-on-one clients per year from now on, and it's going to get a lot more exclusive. So consider this your official announcement. We have kept it extremely exclusive with a focus on passive income and online opportunities. I've been able to scale the business to bring on Alina full-time between Amara and Eden Strader and Jamie as a part-time employee handling all things Eden Strader. We have a reputation for helping wedding vendors scale to the multiple six-figure level, and we have a consistent waiting list for our one-on-one opportunities. Our passive income sales have scaled to the 30K monthly mark, and the podcast has been featured featuring bigger and bigger guests and we've reached a quarter of a million downloads. I've been asked to speak at three different events in 2025 and I've started a queer mentorship program that serves truly self-made queer artists that are struggling to make ends meet or get things off the ground. So that's another thing that you guys are getting a soft launch of is that I'm really excited. I want to launch a mentorship program where I work alongside one queer artist at a time um, who is completely self-funded or self-made and is struggling to get their business off the ground. So that's something that I'm still kind of working out the details on, but is going to be coming soon. So I'm really excited. Personally, personally, it has been a great and drama for a year. As you guys can see, I'm really excited about the fact that like my life is chilling out. I'm finally settling into my friendships here in New York City and have established a great network of personal people. I get to see my friends multiple times a week and share weeknights and weekends with them. I've been dating and it's something that fully enriches my life rather than hinders it. And I have a great balance between my personal life and dating life. I found a really beautiful balance with my body this year with actively moving it and connecting with it daily in multiple forms. I'm able to go visit the California siblings and people a few times a year and go to Utah at least twice a year to see mom and dad. I have gotten to see Greece this year and it was everything I dreamed it would be. I got to take my annual Switzerland trip alone and got to still stay at Villa Honeg again. I'm frequently reading books and investing time in myself outside of work. I have finished EMDR over the last year and I'm in a place where I can just go to therapy monthly. So that is ta-da, my scripting for 2024. So I'm going to challenge you to do that because it, it was one of those things where like seeing it written out, it, it felt easier for some reason like seeing it written out in the like past present whatever you want to call it tense of like yeah I already did this I was like oh yeah I've already done that like obviously I'm gonna do all of that that's the easiest thing in the world it it felt so much easier seeing it as myself already doing it so I'm gonna challenge you to do scripting the other thing that I'm going to challenge you to do is our money mindset challenge which we I posted like a couple times on my stories here and there so only a few people ended up doing it but it was really really powerful for the people that did so what you're going to do is for the next two weeks you're just gonna dedicate two weeks to it maybe start this in the new year if you're listening to this and you're like about to go into the holiday season because the likelihood of you starting this over Christmas is pretty low like I really want to do this again but I'm I'm going to start in January cuz I know like with travel and seeing my family and the holidays like the likelihood of me sticking to this is really low but you're going to set aside 2 weeks and every single morning you're going to wake up and you're going to do something to connect with your body something that really pulls you into your body while not 
taking up a lot of brain capacity and like brain space, mental space. So for me, this is laying on, I have these things called Shakti masks, which are like acupuncture simulating mats. I always say masks and I mean mats, um, but they're like essentially really spiky mats and um, they take a bit to get used to. But once I really sit down into them and I like settle into them, it's a really great way to pull me into my body while I can kind of choose where my brain focus, what my brain focuses on. Cause sometimes my brain will just go blank while I'm on them. And so while I lay on the Shakti masks mats, wow, you guys, I don't know why I can't get it, but I just truly cannot. Um, while I lay on the Shakti mats, I visualize what it's like to earn the money that I want to earn. So I picture what it's like to open up my bank account. I picture what it's like to get those notifications, those emails, how I feel, what it feels like taking my friends and family out to dinner and getting to treat them. I really feel it as if it is truly my life that I experience day to day. And you're going to spend 10 to 15 minutes doing that. After that, you're going to whip out that journal and you're going to write out, I earned blank and you can do daily, monthly, yearly, whatever. I tend to say monthly tops just because I've found that like looking at a yearly number sounds so much scarier. Like let's say you want to earn quarter of a million dollars this year. Looking at 250K is so much scarier than looking at like 12K a month or 3K a week. Like that's going to feel way more tangible. So do what you will, but I would say do a monthly tops because that makes it a lot easier. So you're going to say, let's say I want to earn 12K monthly. Um, and you're going to write that repeatedly for an entire page. And while you do that, really try to keep those feelings with you that you had during visualization. And that's it. That's what you're going to do. That's the money mindset challenge. And I want you to do this daily for two weeks. And when you can, when payments do come through, really take a moment to show gratitude for that. So like whether that's like saying the person's name, like thank you, Jenny, for giving me this money and for exchanging your your hard work for my hard work, like thank you, but really express some gratitude for the money that's coming in so that you can really, really feel that. So anyway, those are your two challenges for your mindset and for your brain and for your manifesting as you go into 2024. And now we're going to turn it over to Tanessa, who is amazing. Tanessa Shears, and she's going to teach us all about our physical health and navigating it in a really healthy way. You guys like a mentally healthy way. Y'all know I was not about to bring someone on here to talk about diets. And I'm just incredibly excited for you guys to learn from her. It was such an amazing conversation. I'm personally really excited to listen back to it again. So I'm going to stop blabbing. Just a reminder that we have a couple spots open for VIP days in January. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review, share on your stories, all of that good stuff. And let's turn it over to Tanessa. Hello, hello, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited. Today we have Tanessa Shears on the podcast. Hello. Welcome, Tanessa. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited to have you today. I'm so, I know we already talked about it a little pre-recording, but Tanessa and I have been sick, like back to back to back, which is a great intro onto what we're talking about today. But for those who don't know you yet, can you give us a little intro on yourself? Yeah, my name is Tanessa. I'm a mama. I've got a one and a three-year-old right now, which hence they're bringing the colds home all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a health consultant and I work specifically with entrepreneurs and my jam is really nerding out on what are the things that we can do both, you know, to our sleep and our food and all that kind of stuff to help our brains work better. I mean, I don't want to be stuck in brain fog trying to show up in my business. It's exhausting. So my fun thing is I love to use biohacking and wearable tech and stuff like that to really help us 
have the energy we need and the clarity we need to really enjoy the life we created from our businesses. I am one so excited for everyone to hear from you, but I'm like, I am also for selfish purposes. Like, <laughs> yay. I have horrible brain fog. Um, so I'm like, I'm so excited to hear about all of the things, but how did you like first get into this? What was kind of like the starting point for you? Yeah, well, I opened my business as a personal trainer in 2014. So almost 10 years ago now. So I was on floor with clients, you know, 33 hours a week of just on floor time. It was a lot. But I remember, you know, as I was educating myself and learning, there's other pillars. I was like, oh, cool. Well, look what a difference food makes for their health. And it wasn't until I had my first baby. And I remember sitting there um, with baby on the pillow in my lap, baby sleeping. I'm trying to bang out a newsletter and I'm like staring at my screen. I'm like, I can't think of anything good to say. Everything sounds ridiculous. I've deleted the first line 20 times. What's going on? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I realized in that moment how sleep deprived I was naturally during that early stage. But at the time I had a bunch of entrepreneurs as clients and I bet, I said, I bet you any money they're experiencing this, maybe not on the level I am, but enough that it's impacting their business. So then when I got certified as a sleep science consultant, I was like, oh boy, did that ever open the floodgates into just creating that clarity and energy for my clients? It was so much fun. Okay. So then you moved into sleep science. So that was like the mm. next step. Tell us, I like want to hear all of these like little stepping stone points. Not that they're little, they're huge. So you went into sleep consulting or wait, I'm going to mess it. I'm going to let you speak. Cause I obviously don't know anything about this. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, if we back it up just a little bit before that, when I got pregnant, I had decided I'm going to be the fittest pregnant lady. And so I got myself a Fitbit and I was like going to track my steps, but nobody told me that I was going to basically be sidelined with pelvic pain. And so I was like, what else does this thing do? And it was during that time that I realized, you know, it's got the basic fundamentals of sleep tracking on there. And I became really interested in this even um, after I had my baby and I was looking at all this data. And so I was like, I am going to live biohack my sleep on Instagram. And I'm going to tell everyone what I do. And I'm going to show them my data. And after about six months of doing that and showing them how much my sleep had improved, my energy, my ability to focus, naturally, I had more and more people reaching out being like, um, I'm drained. I can't fall asleep at night. I'm up at 4am all the time. Can you help me? And so it was kind of not only brought in as like a pillar of my business, but became the foundation on which I've built everything else because of how far stretching the benefits are of just having a brain that feels rested in the morning. So what does, tell us like what biohacking means and like how you even start tracking that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, so I have an aura ring, which I'm like, it looks like you might too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, and I originally got it to track my sleep, but I didn't really know what to do with that data or like, I, I don't know much. So can you tell us what biohacking is, what that means and like how to kind of start looking at that data? Yeah. So don't go on Google and type in biohacking because just like anything, you have extremes on either end. And so I like to look at biohacking, always meeting us where it's at. And it is what deliberate changes can I do to my external environment? Think like the light color I have on in the evening, the temperature of my bedroom while I sleep, those type of things. And what can I do to my internal environment? What I'm putting in my body, how I'm resting and recovering and how I'm moving how can I alter those things so I can feel more energized, clear, I can have a longer life. And the way I think what makes biohacking so unique 
is that it does rely heavily on wearable trackers and technology. And we have rings on right now. And these rings are similar to like a Fitbit or an Apple watch, but much more accurate and much more detailed. And the way I use these trackers is to let me know if I'm using my time well. So I like to think of return on investment. So if I'm going to go do, you know, I saw on the internet, 10,000 steps or get eight hours of sleep. Like I want to know if the changes that I'm making are being reflected in my data. So things we look for are things like, ah, oh, is my resting heart rate going down? You know, am I getting a, a, at least seven and a half hours of sleep per night? Like is what I'm doing actually creating a result? Because I feel like we get really caught up in all the, my friends doing this. I should do this. The influencer on the internet said that. And there's no way of really knowing if it works for us. And so that's where wearable technology comes in. And it lets you know, like, hey, if I start getting in bed at 10 o'clock, look at that. I'm getting more deep sleep. I'm getting more dream sleep. And it's an accurate way of assessing what's going on instead of just assuming and hoping that what you're doing with your health is working for you. So that's biohacking. And then how do I use it? Well, it's literally you look at one piece at a time. So you're going to get any tracker you use, ton of data. I like to pick one piece to start. So let's say you're looking at your sleep duration and then you start experimenting with one thing at a time. What if I go to bed 15 minutes earlier? What if I turn my screens off 30 minutes before bed? Like do these things help improve the one variable I'm targeting? Because if you look at it all, it could be pretty overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I first got my aura ring and I was like, I don't even know what half of this is. <laughs> this is so much data. And one of the things that I tracked a lot is I have a lot of, um, I was having a lot of like short-term memory issues and um, lots of brain fog. And I noticed once I got my aura ring, I get like no deep sleep, like literally none. I have to like work so hard, be so specific with my nighttime routine. If I even want to break like 45 minutes, like I get like a couple minutes a night. It's crazy. I'm always in the red. And so that's what I paid attention to. But obviously, like you said, there's so much data that you have. There's also so much advice on what you should be doing with your body, doing with your health, doing all of these things. How do you kind of like cut through all of that to actually know what tangible steps that you can start taking to improve your health? Like let's talk in the scheme of, you know, entrepreneurs who are stuck at their computers for most of the day. If they're not on a site, um, I'm like, I, my brain immediately always goes to photographers editing until the like wee hours of the morn, which I'm like, we all know that's not good for our health, but like, what are some tangible ways that people can start getting started and how do they know what's actually going to be helpful versus, you know, a trend or an influencer getting paid for something? Like, can you kind of give us some insight into that? Yeah. There's a couple of things I look for when I'm looking for sources to follow as well. And this is kind of what you might be able to use as a filter as I look at number one, is it based in science or only based in experience? I think both can be important, but I think it's also to know, like, is this coming from somewhere? Number two is I look for people that are willing to change their mind on things. So and a good example of this is something that I have had a change of opinion on is intermittent fasting, right? I was really pro intermittent fasting if you'd have gone back five years, but there's been a lot of research that's come out on women's hormones that has made me tweak the way I think about it. And so when I look for people, I'm always like, okay, are people open to changing their mind when being presented with something different? Because that, that shows me flexible thinking. And then I'm always looking for people that are continually learning, meaning like, have you, have you stopped? with what you learned four years ago and you're still teaching that or are you continuously investing in yourself and your audience, right? 
So when I find my people, I do tend to stick to them because I find there's a lot of noise when you're listening to everybody out there. So I like to just tune in. And what this does is it helps cut out. One of the biggest things I see is we get stuck in information overwhelm. It's like, I don't even know where to begin. There's so much going on. And I think that's because we're listening to so many sources trying to find the magic bullet instead of just looking for a a whole bunch of little like golden BBs that'll add up over time. So that kind of leads into what I would do first is like when you start following someone and you, you, you're leaning into maybe it's the sleep you want to work on other food. I like to layer in one habit at a time. And this is, I think where we get really overwhelmed is we're like, okay, we're going to do our exercise plan and we're going to, you know, cut out all flour and we're going to, you know, get eight and a half hours of sleep per night. And these massive routines, not taking into account the fact that life changes, like is your routine adaptable to that. And so the way I like to do it is I like to think, okay, what one thing can I work on? And maybe it's just bedtime. One thing. And your brain's going to tell you it's not enough. It's not fast enough. It's not cool enough, but you have to be willing to let that go because that is what got you where you are. And so if we implement, let's just say bedtimes for the example, and you're working on getting to bed 10 PM, let's say that's your goal. We want to keep doing that until it feels like I've got this. Then you layer something else in. And I think it's this layering approach. That is what creates sustainable health protocols long-term. So no matter whether you're going through a busy wedding season, your editing is, you know, you're, you're backed up on editing and you do have more hours to put in that, you know, like, okay, I can sustain this because I created it through a busy season. So I'm not worried about ever falling off track again. And I think that that's the way I would look at answering that question. No, that's amazing. And I think I, I know I, for one, always need to hear that. Cause I'm that person that's like all or nothing. And I'm like, what if we completely change our lives today and we incorporate mm-hmm. all of these big new things. And then I fall off the wagon, you know, within a week as I do every time, or we're going to see that I'm sure coming up with new year's resolutions. Like I've caught myself already being like, let's start doing this and this and this. And I'm like, Eden, when has that worked literally ever um, to do it all at once? But um, I would love to also hear from you specifically on on the brain fog, because I know so many of us have experienced that one due to entrepreneurship to I know myself and so many people have experienced that post COVID um, and just as like a literal long COVID symptom. Um, but I'm like, I, I feel like i only only have a handful of people I know that don't experience brain fog in some capacity. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and like the research that you've done and kind of what's helped with that? Yeah. Well, and you know what the interesting thing is, is we look around at our family, our friends, our colleagues, and I mean, everyone, like you said, everyone has brain fog. So we kind of just start to like internally normalize it and we're just kind of live with it. And we don't question if we want that to be normal for us. And so this first invitation is like, Hey, do you know, it's possible to not have brain fog and just invite that in what that might be like. Right. But I think what makes it so frustrating is it's like, you walk into the doctors, let's say, and you're like, Hey, I have, um, I, I, I can't stay focused on anything. I'm tired all the time. I have, can't, you know, concentrate. I can't remember. I have short-term memory recall issues. Like for me, that used to show up as like, I go to write an email and I couldn't remember who the name of the person I could picture them, but I couldn't remember it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, come on recall. Um, so that's kind of happening. And the way I kind of like to think about it is imagine being on the beach and running in sand, you know how you can do it, but it's like ineffective and it's kind of slow and it's way harder. That's what brain fog is to thinking. So like I said, it's not so much a diagnosis you'll get, but a collection of symptoms. And it comes down to inflammation in the body. And that can come a whole bunch of ways. It can come from getting 
poor sleep, not enough sleep, sleep that's not high quality. It can be from the foods you're eating, whether they're processed or really refined and creating an inflammation response in our body. And a really big one is high stress levels that we don't get under control. And we're living in these constant states of like discomfort or fear or lack or worry. And these stress levels, those high cortisol have a huge impact on our body. And so those are the three primary areas I see brain fog coming from. I, the cortisol levels, I feel like is something that we just like, don't talk about enough, especially as entrepreneurs. Like I feel like I've gotten to a point in my business now where I'm not constantly stressed, but I'm definitely more stressed than I would probably be if I had the security of a nine to five. But I know, especially in the beginning of my business, like I was redlining like 24 seven, just stressed about my clients, stressed about the back end, stressed about the to-do list. What are some ways that you can kind of work on getting your cortisol levels under control and work on decompressing when let's say the logistics of what's stressing you out may not be changing anytime soon? Yeah. So we can go at this from the tactical side and we can also go at this from the thinking side, because I think you need both. So from the tactical side, I want to give you a little bit of a, a, a strategy that you can use in the moment. So, you know, when you're like, when you're in that experience of fight or flight in the moment, you know, you're in it. So one of the only things that'll work in the moment is something called a cyclical sigh. And so I'm going to demonstrate this because it's going to be the best tool you're ever going to learn in those moments where you're like, I'm about to freak out now. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a very big inhale deep as you can through the nose and then take a smaller inhale at the top to squeak in a little more air and then a very long exhale through the mouth. And I'll demo this so because it makes more sense if you can hear it, but it's big inhale, smaller inhale, big long exhale. And that exhale is long and extended. And the reason for that, I thought this was so cool. When you breathe out, your heart rate slows down. When you breathe in, it speeds up. So when you're in that moment of fight or flight, we want to start extending the time you spend exhaling, breathing out. This actually in the moment lowers your fight or flight response. And I like to do two or three of these as a really good place just to like anchor in, get back into your body. Because if we are panicked, it doesn't matter how good you think or how, how much you can use your brain to get out of this if you're panicked. So we want to be able to get our body back down. Now, something else I've actually been experimenting with as of recently is um, I've been sound baths. Do you know what a sound bath is? Yes. I love sound baths. I just found out about these. Like, obviously, meditation has been something that's obviously been a great tool. And I always personally struggled with meditation. I found that um, I had a hard time really just quieting the noise, which I imagine most of us are like. But sound baths, uh, for those of you guys who don't know what a sound bath is, there's all these like bowls and there's a, something called a tuning fork and they rub the rim of the bowl with the fork and it makes these beautiful vibration sounds. And it gives, I found it gave my brain something to really um, pay attention to instead of letting my brain just sit there in silence and worry about things. But the cool thing I'm finding is whereas before I I found it really difficult to tolerate a five minute meditation, I can lay there for 20, 30 minutes in a sound bath. It is fascinating the difference. And so while, you know, a sound bath may YouTube it, if you don't know what we're talking about, but while you may be able to, that might not be the perfect tool for you. The more, the lesson that I've learned in this is you keep experimenting because I have been at this for years and it's only now that I have found that like, this is my thing. I 
are you like going to actual sound baths? Are you like listening to recordings of them? Are you doing them yourself? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I have a subscription to, um, Aloe Yoga. It's a, it's like a workout subscription app. And it was so funny. I had a client, um, that she was talking that she went to a sound bath and I had like kind of only heard of them before, but it's interesting. You know, when your like reticular activating system is activated and you're now seeing things everywhere. I just happened to see it while I was scrolling through the app and I was like, Oh, they have one on releasing fear. I'm feeling like that right now. I could use some of that. And it was starting to play with that through the app. But I mean, honestly, there's free ones on YouTube, Spotify. I have found some, but I haven't been to an in, I haven't been to an in-person class yet. I bet they are just wonderful. Oh, you have to go to an in-person class for sure. I'm like, I know it's not, um, like super accessible. I'm like, I can't afford to go to one every day or something like that. So recordings are amazing. But if you can go to one, they're so powerful because you can like feel it as well. Like it's like literally cuts through the air in a really tangible way, which is really, really cool. Oh, I love that. That'll have to be, that'll have to be on on the list. But right, right now with the one and three-year-old at home. Yeah. I'm sound bathing. We <laughs> love a room, virtual one. Yeah. yeah, no, literally. I'm like that a virtual one is great. Um, okay. So let's, I would love to like get your advice and your thoughts on, I know so many entrepreneurs, usually when I like start coaching people, um, one of the first questions I ask them is like, do you have a morning routine and do you have a nighttime routine? Because that is something that not a lot of entrepreneurs have. Like they truly wake mm-hmm. up and they, start working they go straight to the computer or I know there were days where like you know the best case scenario was that I was you know going on a longer walk with my dog and then just immediately sitting down forgetting lunch not eating till the end of the day and then like working until you go to bed so where can people begin or like do you have things that you're like hey this is an absolute game changer for a morning routine and a nighttime routine that like even if you just do one thing it's this um do you have anything like that or advice as people start building out those routines yeah I think one of the first things that was a real game changer for me was recognizing that there are seasons of morning routines so I feel sometimes that we are kind of advised, be part of the 5am club and do this big routine. And this is what is going to optimize you. But it's also about seasons of life, especially with the industry that you're in. There are seasons where you're there, there's just less time to go for long walks. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. So how I obviously I'm in a season of mom right now. So my best time to work is 6am. Is it my optimal flowy slow morning? No, but it's also the season I'm in right now. So how I've kind of adjusted for this, if you are in a busy season right now, is I have three mornings a week where I'm up and I'm at my desk at six to get the work done before the babies get up. And then I have a slower morning on other days of the week. So really recognizing that only is there seasons like cyclically, maybe months or years, but there's also within the week an ebb and flow where you can just be like, okay, this is the day I need to get this done early, but the rest of the time, here's what I'm going to include. So as far as what I do like to put in my morning. So today was one of my more slower mornings. Um, there's a couple things, actually. I really like to get some movement in because that drives up your core temperature. And that also drives up your cortisol, both things that help with alertness, focus, wakefulness, feeling really good. So that's something I like to do. It can be honestly stretching, go for a walk, whatever it is. I did 20 minutes on the bike this morning. Um, getting natural light if you can. I mean, I'm in Vancouver and we're in December and it is dark until 9am right now. So like, cause it's so cloudy and rainy all the time. So this is not my, my best suit in the winter, but if you can get out, 
within an hour to an hour and a half if possible into the daylight, you know, 10, 15 minutes if it's cloudy, five, 10 minutes if it's sunny. This will help increase your morning cortisol peak. Now we've been talking about cortisol and we think cortisol bad. I was going to say, I was like, tell me more about cortisol good because I only hear about it in a negative sense. Yeah. So cortisol peaks right when you wake up in the morning and that is a good thing. We want it to peak because that is what wakes us up. If we don't have a cortisol peak, those are those mornings that you feel like you cannot get your head in the game. It takes you forever to warm up. Um, So we actually want a cortisol peak in the morning because not only does that peak drive alertness, but it also sets the body clock timer for when your body should start releasing melatonin at night, which helps you fall asleep. So if you don't get that big cortisol spike in the morning, you're going to throw, or if it's delayed, you're going to throw off your sleep at night. So I'm looking at natural cortisol. I'm not looking at like um, fight or flight induced cortisol necessarily. I'm looking at things like uh, natural light exposure to the eyes is wonderful for um, really increasing cortisol, getting some movement in the morning. If you want to live on the edge a little bit, a cold shower will do the trick because that will increase that. But these are all ways that are, um, I I call them resilience-based tactics. They add stress to your body in the way that doing a bicep curl makes your bicep stronger, right? You have to put a, a stress and a load on it for it to get stronger. So the same way, if we can naturally add good sources of stress, we will get stronger and more resilient to tolerating stress. So I kind of use these in the morning as a way to drive up alertness. And those are the things that I would put in my morning. That is an amazing checklist. I'm like, I'm going to have to listen back to this and just like write them down. I'm also a huge cold shower fan, especially I'm like, I'm not as great at them in the winter um, because I'm like, I'm already freezing. Thank you so much. But I'm like, those are a staple of mine in the summer in New York is like when I wake up first thing, I'm like just cold shower. Um, So I love that. Is there like one thing that you would recommend trying first out of that list? I just, uh, the one I think that'll have the biggest impact um, throughout the whole day is going to be getting the light in your eyes. Mm. Now, think about this. The If you are indoors in your kitchen and that light may be 150, 300, the unit of light measurement is called lux, right? If you go outside on the cloudiest day, you're still probably at a thousand lux. So it is infinitely brighter, even though it is very dim outside. And this light, it can boost serotonin. It boosts um, just your overall energy, your well-being. Uh, it can help with uh, hormones and vitamin D synthesis. There's so many things that, and just long lasting, better sleep at night, better circadian rhythm balance. Like that would be the one if you were looking at like most overall effect. Amazing. I'm also like, wow, that is going to like kick my butt into gear that I like truly do need to just like rot outside for a little bit, even if it's freezing. <laughs> I love that. Well, okay. So talk to us a little bit about like nighttime routines. Cause I think that is a place that entrepreneurs get hung up a lot, especially, you know, depending on your stage of life, that might be some of the only alone time you have, or maybe let's say it's like post your nine to five job. If you're not full time yet, like how can you be intentional about your nighttime routine and getting that started, even when things are let's say feeling a little bit more chaotic. Yeah. I think it's looking at the actually really understanding and feeling the benefit and value of sleep. And the reason for that is if we don't make that connection, it gets really easy to say one more episode of Netflix. Uh, I'm just going to stay up a little later and work tonight. Cause if I get this done, then I'll be quote unquote, more productive. I'll be more valuable. I'll be more, you know, I'll feel more worthy of success. I'll feel better about myself, but 
if we start cutting into sleep, like let's say we stay up two hours later, it's like we, we genuinely, I think, believe we're getting an extra two hours of product productive time. But what we don't understand is that we are taking away from tomorrow's productivity because think about how much slower your brain goes, your decision-making, your problem solving, your emotional management when you are not well slept. So you're not actually just, you know, taking two hours to be more productive. You could slow your whole day down tomorrow, right? And so I always like to think like my job is to protect my brain because it's the best asset that I have in my business, in my life. And if I don't have my brain or my health, there is no point in having this business because it is, if you're sick, you don't like we, like we were saying, we've both been knocked out with colds and all of that. Like the last thing you're just like, please be healthy, please be healthy. Right. And so when we start looking at our night routines, I like to set it up in a way that values my sleep over necessarily maybe watching a couple more TV shows. So I'm starting to think like, okay, you know how in the morning there are certain things that wake my brain up. There are certain things that make your brain go to sleep as well. And one of the biggest, most potent cures is light. Now, I want you to think about this, remove all this fancy electricity that we have indoors right now. And if we were just relying on the sun, what does the sun do in the afternoon? It gets low in the sky, it gets dim and it gets reds and oranges, right? So I like to replicate that in my home. And what that means is after the sun goes down, I tend to switch to table lamps. I turn off overhead lamps. We dim a lot of stuff. And in my bedside table, one of our bedside table lamps has a red bulb. And the other one has a white bulb, the white bulb we use during the day and the red at night, because that dim red light cues my brain. Okay. It's time to start winding down. So light is a great way to change your evening uh, quality of sleep without having to do all these crazy things. The other thing actually big one is temperature. So especially in the winter, we like to get cozy. We, I have had clients with heating pads, sitting on a warming blankets, getting really hot before bed and like bundling up. But your core temperature actually needs to drop a couple of degrees in order to facilitate good sleep. So I always like to just turn the thermostat down in the hour before bed so it drops. Average sleeping temperature between 65 and 68 has been shown to be best for sleep. Um, but one of the things that wakes us up and disrupts our sleep the most at night is overheating. So if I can prevent that just by lowering the temperature, great thing. Um, and then I think the last thing would be just understanding how our brains work. So we are, I like to think we stay in human doing mode too much throughout the day. It's go, 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 take meetings, write emails, edit photos, da, 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 da. It's go, 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 go. I like to save the time before bed to be a human being again. And that means out of our head and into our hearts. So like feeling being present, not having input from my self-help books, the podcasts, the YouTube, the like, where is that time where you can have solitude in your brain, slowing yourself down intentionally because sleep is not something you can, it's not an on off switch. We go to sleep. We don't, you know, immediately turn off. So we need to give ourselves kind of that runway into sleep. And I usually start, you know, just suggesting if you're, if you're on your phone right up until bed right now, giving yourself white light and input, let's try stretching that to 15 minutes before bed. And then when you get really good at that, you layer in another 15 minutes and that you start building on that, noticing the quality of sleep difference. And that's when you're able to be like, okay, I can buy this. This feels good.
I love the permission to just start with 15 minutes. Cause I think, you know, there's always the recommendation of like at least an hour. And for a lot of people, myself included, that sounds like so intimidating to just suddenly start putting my phone away an hour before bed, which I'm like, I hate, but it it's the reality of it. Um, so I love the little like permission slip to just start small with like 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. Cause I think it's like what, what gets our buy-in is small experiments and we don't have to commit to it because the idea of me saying to you an hour before bed forever and ever, you're never allowed to use your phone. This is where we don't get buy-in right mm-hmm. from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even if we set that, we tell ourselves we want that. So what I love instead is just the invitation this week only do 15 minutes. When you get to the end of the week, you decide whether you liked it or not. If you like it, keep it. If you don't, you don't have to keep it. But I never make a decision on what I do and don't want for myself if I haven't had both experiences. So maybe I want the experience of seeing what a little space between bed feels like. And I like that feeling. And now I can compare it to how I was feeling last week. And what experience do I want to live in? And then I decide how to move forward instead of just, you know, being like, I don't know what that's like, but that's definitely not for me. (laughs) No, I love that. Um, If you could give like one piece of advice or like one recommendation to people as they begin on their health journey, health journey. Wow. That came out of my mouth weird, but, um, what would that be? Like what first comes to mind? I think number one, uh, Ooh, there's a couple. I know I'm like, it's tough. <laughs> okay. Uh, th- this maybe isn't a hundred percent health specific, but it'll help more than anything else. And I think it's taking responsibility for the fact that your brain is creating your results, not your circumstances in your life. I, I cannot tell you how many clients I have worked with that start with saying, I can't work out because this, I can't eat well because of that. I can't go to bed on time because of this. And we set up all of these things that are outside of us. So we can't take any action because those things have to change in order for us to change. And it's a complete roadblock. You'll always get stuck. So my belief is that our thoughts and how we think about things create a lot of our internal experiences And so if it's my thought about that thing that is making me not work out, that's the best news you've ever gotten because I can change my thinking. If you can't change what time your kids get up in the morning, then if you're relying on that, then that's always going to be the problem you run into. But if I'm like, oh, it's just because I'm telling myself this is the only time I can move or I need an hour or whatever it is like that. If we can take responsibility that our thinking of the way we think about things is what is our biggest roadblock then that invites in a beautiful space for our thinking to be the solution that gets us out of it. I love that. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, this was so amazing, Tanessa. Seriously. I'm like, this is, I'm so excited to get this into people's, I was going to say hands, but I guess it's technically ears, but that's not a cute saying at all. Um, But thank you so much for coming on. This is so amazing. And I can tell like how passionate you are about all of this, which is like just such a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, it's such a good, fun thing to talk about. I mean, who doesn't want to feel more refreshed and energized, right? Like, no, literally. Okay. And like, sign, sign me up, especially when it's like easy, tangible ways that you can do things. And I'm like, 15 minutes or mm-hmm. like small, little, like bite sized chunks of time is like so easy. Anyone can do it. There's no reason not to. Um, so thank you so much. Um, we'll obviously link everything in the show notes for people to find you, but can you let us know where everyone can find you, like on the internet? Yeah, for sure. Well, the best place, if you're listening to this, you're like, I want to try that. I want to try that. I have created a playbook. It's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. And I've taken what I feel is the 12 biohacks that have created 
the most momentum for not only me and my clients, and I've packaged that all together. And it's all about helping your mornings be more energized and productive. And that's on my website at tanessashears.com. Um, but beyond that, I spend all my time on Instagram. I'm super responsive over there. So feel free to like tag me if you're listening to this episode or come say hi, give me a follow. I just love just hearing what everyone's working on and all that fun stuff. So Instagram at Tanessa Shears. Amazing. Okay. And we'll link that for you guys in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tanessa, for coming on. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. Yes. And thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next time.